Hello, hello. Hey, man, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Oh, there you go. What's up, man? What's happening? Nothing much, man. Is there a doctor in the house? <laughs> right, right there. Uh, Dr. Brother William Clark. Uh, what's up, man? Man, man. Uh, living, 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 living. Yeah. Um, all is well, all is well. You ready? Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. William Clark here for Leadership Conversations. This is the show where we talk about leadership according to the world that matters to you. And I wanted to uh, quickly come on and uh, introduce a friend of mine who is uh, joining the podcast today. And we thought uh, we would talk about his book that's been out for some time, but also utilize this time to talk about uh, education at, at large for uh, minorities and men of color. And I'm talking about my good friend, uh, Dr. Omar Simpson. Omar, what's going on, man? Not much, man. I'm excited, happy to be here. Thankful to have this opportunity to converse with you and share with you somebody who I've looked up to for quite some time. Uh, so I'm thankful for the opportunity, man. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, man, we we've been uh, I don't know how long we've been friends, man. Uh, but it's been a minute. <laughs> it's been a super minute. Two thousand six, two thousand seven. Jeez, that's, yeah. that's a minute. <laughs> yeah, that's a minute. Inroads, man, inroads. <laughs> I remember. Hey, yo, for those of you who are uh, watching and y'all don't know what inroads is in your person of color. Uh, I strongly suggest that you uh, take the time to get to know who and what Inroads is, because it certainly uh, was a blessing in, in my life when I was uh, coming up in my undergrad years, and certainly for you too, Omar. And um, it just makes a difference when uh, when people of color have an opportunity to be exposed to other professionals, both of the majority and minority, and uh, get to figure out how to. Um, be a professional at, at a young age so that when you're graduating, you look for full-time employment, you already know what to do, how to do, and you can take it from there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love, I love the inroads. That was my um, first internship experience. Yeah. Um, first opportunity to develop as a professional in a world that I knew nothing of <laughs> growing up where I grew up um, and then got to meet great people like yourself um, through the experience. So um, I love inroads. Always talk about inroads and encourage young people to engage and connect with inroads. Definitely. So let's jump into the conversation, man. Um, before we we go into the conversation, just tell folks a little bit about yourself and uh, what where you come from, what you're doing uh, now, and and what's on the horizon for you. Indeed, indeed, man. Thank you for the opportunity to share um, just a little bit about myself, and my journey. So, uh, essentially, Omar Simpson. Um, originally from Camden, New Jersey, um, good old Jersey love. Uh, I am somebody who um, at an early age had a, a yearning for learning, I say, and a passion for education. Um, I, I also um, identify as a first generation college student. Um, so I know for me, going to college, um, it was something that I looked at as an opportunity for economic growth. Um, and I thought, you know, hey, I'm going to be a businessman um, and, and that will be my path. And that, that came out of you know, growing up in poverty and growing up um, in a single parent household, I always look to um, earn money and earn income to, you know, to help my family and kind of buy my little candy and toys and things. Um, but I only knew um, uh, three things that I could go to college for, either uh, to be a businessman, um, to be a doctor or to be a lawyer. 
And I'm like, I really don't like science. So uh, the, the doctor thing is out. Um, lawyer, I really got time to be debating with folks. So that's out. I like selling candy. I can do this entrepreneurship thing. I will do business, man. And, um, you know, that kind of my, set my path um, until, um, and, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about this later, but some some experiences that I had in uh, my undergraduate um, college that kind of shifted um, my path just a bit. But I always had just a, um, a yearning for learning, man, and a passion for education. Um, and, and the one thing I'll say that about my experience, um, I used to read encyclopedias as a kid, um, not because I wanted to, but because that's what I had available. I was so thankful that my mom had encyclopedias in the house. And for those who don't know, it was Google before Google. <laughs> you know, before we had, you know, we could just search everything on Google. We had this large set of encyclopedias, A through Z, um, and all kinds of facts and different things in them, man. And I would read those in the summertime and during my free time. Um, and that just set my path, man, and um, helped me kind of uproot myself out of poverty. Um, and, you know, my education, I went to, um, you know, a, a college, a small liberal arts school in uh, New Jersey, um, went to uh, Rutgers, um, then went to UNC for my, uh, my PhD, um, and went, um, now I'm back here um, in an administrative role and in a teaching capacity, and um, just love it. I'm, I'm being able to do what I want to do, what I love to do, which is help people, help young people. All right. So, yeah, I relate to that a lot, man. And um, dang, you brought me back. I, I forgot about like encyclopedias, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, the good old days, man, the good old days. Man, so, yeah, I remember my mom had a whole set. I think she had two sets, two sets. And um, that was a part of life, man. That was Google before Google, like you said, man. Um, it, that was, man. <laughs> like just that whole comments brought me back man wow yes i remember those days um i remember the days of magazines <laughs> yeah. they were plenty cool as well um yeah man i know i used to be excited it used to be a, a magazine east bay man yeah and it was like a group of us you know back home in the neighborhood and it was always just one person that was able to get that magazine. And we were all huddled around looking at whatever the newest sneaks that was out, the newest clothes that was in this East Bay magazine, man. Oh, man. I remember. I remember, man. We used to share that magazine in between class. So in between periods, we were switching (laughs) class. Yo, let me get that magazine. And and, and it was as if, like, we really thought we were going to grab them. (laughs) I mean, it was only like a select few of kids who had the capacity to go get them. But, yeah, Not everybody had the capacity to do that. Never brought a thing out of there, man. But it was, it was so cool to be in the in crowd. Oh man, that's what's coming out. Oh okay. Yeah, man. Oh man, uh, sorry guys, we were reminiscent of what it meant. <laughs> y'all, y'all young kids don't know nothing about that. Nothing <laughs> so about East Bay and encyclopedias, man. And here's the funny part, Will. Neither of us are really that old. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, like, that's the funny part, man. It's really like yesterday. Like yeah. You know, has changed that fast. God, it feels like you know. You ever talk to your grandpa and he, and he would say, you know, back in nineteen something something. Now I hear myself saying, man, back in two thousand seven, <laughs> back in two thousand nine. <laughs> like these are mile markers in my life now, man. Oh, I can't believe really? how time flies. Really, man, that is the truth, man. So let's jump into this conversation. I love to ask this question of everyone that joins the show, and I'll ask this of you. What's your definition of leadership? 
man, great, great question. Um, I have a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of definitions of leadership. So I think essentially it, it just, I, I think of just different people's stories um, and kind of how they exude leadership. If I had to pull out some, some points from people that I've watched, you know, people like yourself, um, people like a mentor of mine, uh, Mr. Hezekiah Griggs III, uh, people like my mom, you know, even um, looking back at history, you know, folk I follow like Dr. MLK. Um, there, there's a few like very distinct things that I've noticed in them that I've, I've like emulated myself. Um, so I break down into three different areas. One, character and values. Um, like the, the, the people that I've seen to be the most successful and greatest leaders, they're, they're, they're disciplined to their values um, and their principles. They don't, they don't waver. They don't change. They're not like waves of the sea. Um, whatever their principles are and whatever they value, that is it. Um, and and that's, that's one thing that I've taken into myself, my particular values and the principles that I you know, guide myself by. Um, I don't waver. Um, one of those things. I listen in, I'm compassionate, but whatever my principles are, whatever is at my core, that's at my core. Um, and, and that's how I kind of manage through leadership um, in different situations, because I, I, I know no matter what, these values are going to remain consistent. Um, the other thing is kind of that strong sense of self, um, which I, I've known, like, uh, it, it's so easy, especially in today's world, um, and, and not to go on this old new thing, uh, but, you know, with su such as access to other people and this idea of, you know, social media, like this, this world of comparison is running rampant. Um, and for me, working in colleges and institutions, and I, I hear young people just comparing themselves every single day um, and trying to compete with the next person. And I think systematically, to a certain extent, we're set up that way because it's like, okay, there's one opportunity and there's 100 people going for it. So you got to compare and contrast all of that. But I think as leaders, um, we have to be strong in who we are. Um, uh, you know, something that somebody shared with me yesterday, they said some people uh, um, don't know three fourths of their own self uh, because three fourths of themselves is being modeled after somebody else. Um, they said, you know, you, you know, guys said, well, Omar, what made you get that haircut? And I said, because I like it. You know, this is what looks good on me. You know, my hairline is going back a little bit, man. And, you know, I, I got to do the ball fade thing. You know, that's me. Um, and, you know, if I ask somebody else, they may say, well, so-and-so has this haircut, so I want it. It's like, well, is that truly you? Um, and of course, that's in the lowest sense of thinking about it. But but essentially, like being yourself, being who you are. Um, and even in my book, like my, my I mean, I, I, my most acclaimed chapter is the chapter on loving thyself. Um, I give seven strategies for people to literally love themselves, um, which I've learned is not the easiest thing to do um, for most people. Um, so knowing who you are. Um, and the last thing that I've, I've I mean, I've seen every leader um, who has been successful as a leader, um, including yourself, is service. Um, you know, there's no success without service. There's no leadership without service, in my humble opinion, of course. Um, you know, service is just the, the, the guide for everything. I think within business, um, within anything you can think of, there has to be a root of service there. Um, this idea of wanting to make a positive change, um, just like, you know, we're, we're doing, you know, we're doing this on Zoom. We're utilizing computers. Someone at some point said, I want to make live, you know, people's lives easier. I want to make a way for people to connect. I want to make a way for people to be able to see each other and, you know, have conversations, meaningful dialogue. So I'm going to create this, right? That was a service um, that someone created. Me, I found my purpose through service. Um, I knew, I, you know, I had a lear yearning for learning and I loved education, but it wasn't until um, I provided an opportunity for young kids um, to get on a college campus and actually go through a five-week program, a leadership development program, ironically, 
that I felt, okay, man, this is what I need to do is do service. So not to be long winded, but, but, you know, the three areas that I've seen um, from people like yourself and other great leaders um, is one being, you know, principle centered and value driven, um, knowing who you are and having a strong sense of self um, and being truly rooted in service. So um, that's, that's good. Um, I typically share the definition of leadership with, uh, with folks that could jump on a call um, as the ability to influence, mm. right? It's the ability to influence a group of people or oneself. And I, I'm, I'm probably going to divert from our questions and talk about this chapter, Love Thyself, in a moment. But uh, for me, um, what you shared in terms of character, being principle-centered, uh, having a strong sense of self and service, I think, uh, leads to the concept of what it means to influence others and yourself. Um, ideally, it becomes extremely challenging to uh, lead other people, direct behavior, direct outcomes for teams, for organizations, for departments, if you're lacking a value system that uh, does not allow you to stand for what's right, to stand for what's consistent, to stand for what's principled, to stand for what makes a difference. At the end of the day, it's that consistency of your principles and your character that defines you as a leader. I've noticed, Omar, that um, leaders are always going to be challenged and pushed to the brink by their own team members, right? And what they're doing is no different from what a kid does, which is if mom and dad says A, B, and C, the kid who isn't necessarily as principled as the adult in the room is going to continue to push and push and push to see if mom and dad budgets. And it's the parent's job to stay yep. consistent. In, in, in an organization uh, such as yours, mine, elsewhere, and for those watching and listening, uh, you're constantly going to be pushed. And people, whether they're adults or not, are going to try to push you. And it's up to you as a leader to be as principled and centered as possible and to be consistent in that. And then you talked about having a strong sense of self. Man, I, I was thinking this probably um, the past six months about the comparison game, that people feel so inadequate because of what other people are posting. I, for a long time, was that guy that said, I'm not posting anything because I don't want people to feel like I'm, I'm, I'm this is an old school term, guys, flossing or... Uh, <laughs> 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 that, that's, that's before bling. I mean, bling is an old term too. But I didn't want to, to present myself as something that I'm not, right? I got to the point where I said, you know what? I'm going to post what's happening in my life. And this is this is my perspective of my life, the pictures, the images, the um, uh, the flyers, whatever's going on. Right. It's, it is what it is. And so it, it comes down to, as you said, man, not even thinking about what other people are doing, what they're saying, how they're functioning. It's about me. And it doesn't mean you don't care about other people, but it's saying that my principles, my value system my worldview is just as important as the popular person on social media with a thousand friends or more. Yes. And yes. then you talked about service. I think that goes without saying. Um, so quickly tell us what's inspired you to write the book for the love education. For those of you watching on the screen, this is, this is the book. Uh, I got my signed copy here, but what inspired you to write this, um, this book for the love, love of education, the power of an awakened mind. And then we'll jump into that chapter about loving thyself. Man, absolutely, man. And, and great. Oh, 
man, 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 man. Everything you said, you know, I co-sign and agree with uh, tremendously. Um, but yeah, for the love of education, empowerment, awakened mind, um, I'll say two things. One, um, once I finished my, my PhD program um, and, and got to a particular place um, from an academic and educational standpoint, I really, I look back on my experiences and, and kind of truly understood how transformative education could be. I mean, I always make the, the, the distinction between education and schooling. Um, schooling is, you know, this formal process of, you know, going to an institution and sitting in a classroom and getting a grade. Um, I wasn't really talking about that. And in the book, you know, and I talk about that as well as kind of that distinction. I'm not talking about loving school. I'm talking about loving education. My mantra is learning is a lifestyle, like making it a part of your everyday existence is always learning. Like I'm learning right now as you're talking Well, I'm taking notes um, because I'm learning. That's just that's just my my way of being and my way of knowing my way of understanding the world around me. Um, so this book, I was like, man, you know, I have this message. I really want people to understand how to love learning. Um, I see how transformative just education can be. And now, um, you know, we, we have access to so much, so much information. Um, you know, I can go on YouTube and learn how to fix my brakes on my car. Not that I would do it because I'm not crazy. I know my strengths, but I could um, because I have access to, to, to that knowledge and that education. There's free online courses all over the place. Um, you know, Harvard has courses online that you can do. Um, so to kind of, you know, just have that, that, that message being pushed out I'm encouraging young people to love learning and, and live a lifestyle of constant learning um, to, to encourage teachers to um, help teachers kind of facilitate a love of learning and, and bring love to the core and to the center of the educational experience. Um, that was something that I wanted to do. And I know, uh, you know, I've learned um, as I try to be several different people, man, as far as being in several places at once. I'm only one person. Um, so I can yell from the mountaintops about education and, and learning, but I can't reach every single body. Um, but something outside of me, uh, you know, a book, I can put it all in a book and I can ship it out. I can send it out um, when I'm not there. Somebody could be reading the book, um, so on and so forth. And I've learned, um, you know, some, some of the greatest mentors I've never met. <laughs> Um, some of the greatest mentors are, are in the books. I'm reading about their, you know, their journey in their life. And I'm picking up and, and learning things through the books because I just don't have access to, to meet them. And same thing. Um, and, and the second part for me um, and very, you know, short is, you know, I, I wanted something that was going to outlast me. Um, I wanted something that was going to live longer than me. I wanted something that um, somebody, you know, I, I don't know when my time will come, but, you know, you know, however many years from now, somebody would be able to pick up a book and say, oh, shoot, for the love of education, the power of awakening mind, let me check this out. Um, and hopefully something in the book will spark something for someone, um, you know, and I, I'm a big believer on planting seeds, you know, so, and, you know, we plant seeds. Um, so if this book, can be a seed for somebody that I'm not there or beyond my existence, then, you know, that, that's a part of me serving out, living out my purpose. Facts. So I'm going to go off script. Um, I'm not going to ask the other two questions. We're just going to wing this. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go to the last point you mentioned about out uh, having your content outlive you. This particular book um, was written by Dr. Dr. Jer Boshi. And I discovered this book during my doctoral program uh, towards the end as I was wrapping up my research. 
And it's called Migrating from Innovations to Entrepreneurship. And it's relevant for nonprofit leaders who are looking to uh, sustain the business of the nonprofit or the church, if you will. Um, And that's what my research is on. Um, And he's still around uh, as of this recording. And his book, his other content that I was able to get a hold of, which is no longer in print, which which trips me out. Uh, But that book, I tell everybody that will listen to get this book if you're a nonprofit leader, because it's the mindset that he talks about. Um, And then his older material from the 80s and early 90s, even though the examples are dated, they're still relevant today, right? And so I'm with you when it comes to um, writing something that will outlast you beyond your years. And so for those of you who are in in the nonprofit space, I encourage you to get this book. But as you saw me grab, um, I'm going to take a minute, right? (laughs) This book (laughs) was my first book, right? Let's talk about that. Yo, so this book is my first book called Leverage, and I think it's the perfect complement to your book about the love of education because it's it's literally saying when I was trying to figure life out and I had absolutely nothing uh, to stand on in college, I didn't have uh, a dad that was passing down a business, a mom that was passing down wealth. They were great parents, don't get me wrong, but in comparison, there it goes again, to my peers who were driving Mercedes, BMWs, newer cars. When I was in an undergrad program, I had nothing. And this book was birthed, born out of that leverage. But the first book that I got my hands on is my most recent book, which is Leverage. And the reason I, uh, not Leverage, Sustainable. Uh, The reason I grabbed this, Omar, you were talking about the love of education. And there was something in the book that I wrote that I just thought was essential uh, to the growth of uh, a leader. And it's in my self-leadership chapter, which is chapter five. And I talk about three biblical principles of learning. And this kind of dovetails into the seven proven strategies of loving thyself, because you start to talk about this too. But in my chapter five, I talk about three biblical terms for learning. The first is lahag, okay, which is the Old Testament understanding of learning. And lahag means- one more lag. Lahag. So uh, I'm saying it with American accent. Um, it's L-A-H-A-G. And it means learning for knowledge. And so the scriptural reference uh, is, uh, God, Ecclesiastes 12, 12, right? So you want to continue to learning, beware of the constant making of books, but you want to learn for knowledge, right? Uh, ultimately, it's going to come from God. The second biblical term for learning is spudazo. Okay, that's S-P-O-U-D-A-Z-O, and that's learning for application. All right. So that's practical learning every day from uh, from what you're what you're going through. And I think I quoted the words of Jesus here when he says the spirit of the Lord is upon me, knowing me to proclaim, proclaim the good news to the poor. And what I've learned as a son of God, I'm going to apply on a daily basis, right? So this is, when you think about the term, what would Jesus do? What did Jesus do? So you got Lahag, you got Spadazzo, learning for knowledge, learning for application. Then the last one I reference is learning from God. That's Padilla. That's P-A-I-D-E-I-A, learning from God, which is more revelatory. <clears throat> the, ment- the, the meditation, the prayer, uh, the studying of the word of the Lord and having him speak to you. And when you talk about for the love of education, as you said, you're not talking about academics. While that's a part of it, it is about the the mindset of ongoing learning that everyone, particularly 
uh, uh, and I'm going to speak to young men of color because that's who you kind of target, um, the importance of constant learning. And as I've told, told my audience all the time, it is not about getting a doctor degree. Mm-hmm. Right. While I celebrate that and get excited when people say I'm thinking about it and I encourage that it is literally the constant education through uh, reading books, reading articles, listening to uh, talks and lectures and YouTube, going to college or attending workshops, going to conferences. Um, if you still subscribe to magazines, both digitally and physically, whatever you can learn from conversations, it is the constant churning of information to make sure you're becoming the best, the best version of yourself that you can possibly be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, can I, can I just um, touch on your book leverage real fast? Cause I, I think it um, it's like you said, it's connected. I think it's even more connected than, you know. Um, so <laughs> for me, and, and then a quick message to college students and, and those looking to go to college. Um, one thing that I always say, um, you have to know how to do college. Um, oftentimes there are people who, um, and I see it every day who go to college and it's like, I'm going to college to get a job. Wrong. Number one. <laughs> um, and then two, you know, with classes, we were, I'm looking for the easy A. I want to choose the class that's going to give me the easy A. I want to choose the class where I don't need to go. but I can. That's not what you want. That, that's a waste of your time, a waste of your money, a waste of your existence. What's the point in going there? Um, for me, so college, one, you're paying and, you know, if it's financial aid or scholarship, whatever it is, somebody is paying for you to learn. Um, when you go into a classroom, this, your, your professor, your instructor, for me as a professor, like, I have an obligation to teach. <laughs> you, like, you're coming there, you have paid or someone has paid, the professor has to teach. So to go to a class and to walk away and was like, ah, I really didn't learn anything, but I got an A, that's doing it all wrong. Nobody, like, the A doesn't matter. Ten years from now, I, you know, if I told somebody my GPA in undergrad, nobody cares. They want to know, what did I learn? What skills did I develop? What dispositions do I have? What attitudes? What mindsets? You know, what am I bringing to the table? Nobody cares about the grade. Um, so it's not about the grade. I always say it's growth over grades. How are you growing? How are you developing? Um, and what I've noticed, and, and, and so my, and as you were talking about men of color, so my dissertation research, um, I looked at high achieving black males. Um, and one of the, the, the main things that came out of my research as far as that made the difference um, for, for these young men, one, in matriculation and the success, um, and some of these guys were 3.9s when they graduated. What made the difference was this, this thing we call high-impact practices, right? And these high-impact practices are things, um, and, and I'm going to keep the big one for last, uh, but through leverage, um, but, you know, uh, research, undergraduate research um, or mentored research, service learning, um, where it, it, you know, goes beyond just this idea of giving or service or um, doing certain things, but there's a learning that happens around it, a reflection, there's a buildup, um, so on and so forth. Um, there, there's capstone projects, there's study abroad and global learning initiatives and um, something that I learned too. Um, you know, you can have global learning right where you are. <laughs> like, you don't have to go abroad to learn globally, um, but, but that's a story for another day. Um, and the other main piece, man, internships. You know, somebody talked about internships in a book and talked about the leverage that that offered somebody. Right. And that's the difference. When you go to college and those who are in college now, you have to engage in these experiences. You have to maximize the college experience. Just going to class and going to hang out and socializing. That's all great. 
But that's not going to make the difference once you leave. You have to find a way to get that leverage, which Will talked about in Will's book. And all those internships and all those great experiences that you were able to leverage and maximize and now able to monetize, that made the difference, man. That that really, truly makes the difference. And um, again, without yelling or going off too much, really, really, you got to know how to do college. Um, you got to know how to leverage the opportunities. Um, and then a, a question and last thing, a question somebody asked was like, you know, so what is what is the greatest resource on this campus? What, what is the greatest resource in college? And I said, the people around you, <laughs> the people around you are the greatest resource. It's like um, like I'm, I'm engaging with Will. This is what over 10 years after we originally met. Um, you know, we're, we're not, I'm not, you know, worried about my GPA. Um, we're not talking about that. Talking about, you know, somebody who's doing great work that we're able to connect and develop and, and sustain a relationship to now that we can even connect our purposes to even help more people, right? The people around you are the biggest resource at any institution, at any business, any place you are. Look to your left, look to your right. Those are your biggest resources. I, I co-sign and agree with all of that. Um, we're going to, you and I and another gentleman are going to do a, a podcast about uh, getting a, a doctorate degree as oh, men of color. That's, much to that's talk about. It is so much to talk about, but I, 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 I need to address, you know, what you were saying about how to do college, because I think that we've been conditioned to measure ourselves it, back to what you started off saying in comparison to other people based upon a grading system <laughs> and the grading system makes you feel good about yourself or your work and offers an opportunity for you to look down upon somebody <laughs> who doesn't yeah, the same yeah, grade yeah. as you. Yeah. Yeah. But what I've learned and I heard and I've heard this over my years, but it really sunk in when we, um, <clears throat> It had to. It, it was sometime during the doctoral process, and it may have been um, it, towards the end. It, we were encouraged to start businesses with our peers, right? The network. Uh, but what we realized, and what was said to us, is just because you have a DR in front of your name or a PhD behind your name, right, does not guarantee that money, opportunity, or doors will follow. Yeah, preach, you, preach, preach, preach. This, so you're, you're 4.0, you're 3.9, and you're Victorians and all this other stuff, right? It, it doesn't <laughs> open up doors that you think it does. But we're conditioned as kids and high schoolers to believe that. And don't get me wrong, for those of you watching, for those of you raising your kids, for any young person who is achieving well in school, don't get me wrong, that matters because I would want you to get the best grade you can get. However, it does not equate to real world A's, <laughs> right? A real world A is I got a job and I feel fulfilled. The A plus is, you know, I'm getting paid a reasonable wage. A plus is I'm generating multiple streams of income from from a book, from teaching, which is both what we do, from administration, which is both of what we do, and from other things that we're doing. That that's an A in life. Right? You know, my in my 3.9 or less than that in high school or college doesn't 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 translate to that, man. Yeah. So, you know, I, I want and this this podcast is dedicated to emerging leaders to teach them how to get an A out of their leadership yes. on a daily basis. This book leverage, 
this book for the love of education it's 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 practical content about how to how to win how to maneuver when you have barriers that are facing you so this is probably the perfect segue. We have gone off the rails. Like the, the whole interview yeah. questions are just not going to happen. It's important so, stuff though, man. It is important yeah. stuff. I totally agree with yeah. that. <clears throat> so let me just quickly read for everybody. Uh, the seven proven strategies to love thyself. Uh, I'm going to, I'm reading from page 67. Number one, uh, Omar says seven proven strategies to love thyself. Number one is faith in oneself. Be David. There's a whole lot there. Number two, have no fear. Number three, accept and embrace your difference. Number four, it's not the critic who counts. I did a podcast recently about that. Mm. Uh, let's see. Number five, so what? I say that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Number six, daily reflection. Believe in that. And number seven, daily self-talk and micro-affirmations. We got 11 minutes and 30 seconds left. Which one of these seven, seven do you want to uh, just dig into? Oh man! <laughs> Woo, you want you want to force me to choose? Uh, I, I think I'll go with. Mm, I, I, I'll 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 go with how this started, and then I I think I'll go with so what. So what you said you going with two of them or one? Oh, I'm, I'm going to go with how this all, how that whole chapter started. Okay. And then so um, what? And then so what? All right. Um, so, so, so what we essentially, what, what happened will, um, and I don't even know how I got onto this, but um, I started, you know, in, incorporating into my talks and speeches, this, this question of asking people to name three things that they love about themselves. Um, and I noticed how much of a challenge this was. Um, and these things, I said, they non-physical. Um, you can't say, oh, you know, my eyes, you know, and, you know, I love my ear, you know, none of that stuff. Like something truly about you. What do you love about yourself? Man, it will. People struggle. <laughs> you know, I have people say, do I really got to do three? Or, you know, well, can you give me some examples? <laughs> like, no, it's about you. It's about you, man. Like, what do you love about you? Um, and and, and it really shook me up quite a bit. And I remember I did it one time. I did a talk. And, you know, people struggle so much. Well, I said, all right, we'll stop. <laughs> you know, let's just stop. Uh, okay, who who is somebody that we all can agree that we know, right? Um, and they said, you know, Oprah. And I was like, okay, well, can you name three things you love about Oprah? And I mean, Will, they started yelling out and throwing stuff. Oh, Oprah this, and I love this, and love that, and love that. And I said, all right, great, fantastic, fantastic. Keep that energy, keep that energy. How many of you know Oprah? Nobody raised their hand. I said, okay, okay, here we are. I said, look, the person you spend 24 hours a day with, the person you know inside and out, you can't name three things that you love about that person, but somebody that you've never met in your life, you can go on and on and on about these different things you love about this person. I said, something's wrong here. Um, so that kind of sparked me to say, you know, I, I, I need to help people um, kind of pull out um, these things about themselves, um, because we all have greatness within us. That's, you know, we, we both know that. Um, but sometimes, it, you know, it, it may be difficult for us to recognize that um, and truly appreciate who we are in our own, in our own greatness. Um, so wrote this chapter because of that. 
Um, and I'll say, so what? So what is significant to me because it was something that I struggled with coming from poverty, coming from a single parent household, um, coming from, you know, just a lot of circumstance that could have derailed me um, at certain times offered, you know, certain challenges and barriers for me. Um, I remember a mentor of mine, Mr. Hezekiah Griggs said, you know, I remember one day I was literally kind of just whining, like, you know, well, uh, I can't do this or I can't do that because I didn't have this and nobody taught me this and nobody did this. And he said, Omar, so what? <laughs> so what? Like, so what? Like, you know, you grew up in a single parent household. So what? You grew up poor. So what? Like, you don't have this. So what? You don't have the Mercedes. So what? You don't have the van. So what? Now, what are you going to do? Like, you have everything you need right now to do what you need to do to make the difference in your life. Right. What are you going to do with it? We don't want to hear like circum. Everybody is going through something. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how famous you are. What's going on? Everybody is going through something. That's life. Now, what are you going to do? Right. We can't wallow in the problems. We can't wallow and, you know, sigh and cry about all these challenges and issues. What are you going to do now? How are you going to maximize your situation now? How are you going to utilize leverage? Right. To, to do what you need to do. So what? Uh, and, and, and that is, is significant for me because we all got issues. We all got challenges. We all got problems. Every day presents new problems. Um, and we have to get over them and, and we overcome it. We're, we're built to be overcomers and, and achievers. Um, so I think this, this idea, if I could pick out one thing and say, hey, remember this and go with this. So what? When you get into that space and, and your mind starts to, to, to talking to you and saying, oh, well, you ain't got this. Remind yourself. So what? I do have this. Um, remind yourself what you do have. Remind yourself of the positive things. Remind yourself of the resources and the people um, that are in your life to, to help you and guide you and support you. Just so what? You know, forget the excuses. So what? So you say, uh, and so what? You say two things that sit out for me. You said first, one of the worst things you could do is go through life being against yourself. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing you mentioned is remember everybody's in a place of becoming or arriving. And for me, um, I think admitting to yourself that um, giving yourself permission to transition into the person you're trying to become is the most one of the most important things you could do for yourself. And this is a part of the so what movement you're trying to speak to Mm -hmm. because everybody has barriers, uh, your skin color may be a barrier, your gender may be a barrier. Uh, where you grew up may be a barrier, your economic situation or the history of your economic situation may be a barrier. There is a so what. Now, you talk about the biblical character David in the seven principles of loving thyself. Let me go biblical for a moment. And this is found in the Leverage book, too. One of the, uh, the, the Bible is filled with a bunch of characters who had a lot of uh, moments where they could have given up and given in. Mm-hmm. Um you know what? I was going to use the leverage example. I'll I'll use David. And I preached this earlier this year. Uh, One of the things that stood out to me about David and everybody, you know, highlights the fight between Goliath and David. Goliath is huge. David is little. And if you know the story, uh, the king tried to give David some armor. But what I found interesting is not that exchange with the king that 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 exchange uh, is, is subservient to what I'm about to share. The exchange that that stood out for me, and I believe is the crux of the story, is when he was told by his dad to bring bread and water to his brothers who were on the front line of the war, 
right? And everybody was all shook. Again, an old school term. Don't judge me. Everybody was shook, which means scared. And they were just saying, look, man, this is giant. You know, we don't know what to do. And he's like, wait a minute, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? This little boy what had the audacity of hope. See what I did there? Yeah. He had the audacity yeah. of hope. Yeah. And the audacity to be strong, even though this was not his fight. But there was a reason why. And 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 Pete this, Omar, he went to several people, his brothers and other peoples in the camp, to ask what's going on, why are y'all so scared of this uncircumcised Philistine? The reason he, he said this was because, one, he believed in God and there was no greater people than the people of God, right? So anybody else that stood up against us really is standing up against our God. But here's the second thing about uh, loving thyself, right? Everybody dismissed his role as a shepherd boy. Even when he was to get anointed, his daddy didn't even consider him a possibility because he was minding the sheep. But what was missed by everyone is that told King Saul, I have during my time of interning when nobody was looking, when nobody was paying attention, I fought lions and bears. Now, if you've done any type of basic research, if you would know that a bear standing on his hind legs is roughly nine to 10 feet tall, a bear standing period is a heavy individual and much heavier than any human being could be. Yes, sir. Same thing with the lion, right? Tall, long, you know, beings, heavy, stronger than David. And he said, I killed and slain both of them, which indicates to me he got practice slinging his slingshot from a distance and cutting off heads. Yep. Yep. While he was an intern. And I hope y'all putting this piece of the puzzle together. So when he discovered Goliath. The uncircumcised Philistine who could not weigh more than a bear or a lion, who could not be stronger than a bear or a lion, who could not be faster than a bear or a lion. He said to himself, I got this. I don't need your armor. I don't need your support. I don't need your words of affirmation. I don't need your sword. I don't need you to get my back. I don't need you to be in my corner, be my cheerleader. I got this. Give me five smooth stones. I'll be right back. And then the rest of the story is history. He slings the first shot, hits him in the head, cuts his head off, and, and the story's over, right? For me, when you say so what, and if you are one of those people who allows yourself to demean your humble beginnings, you allow yourself to demean your internships, your volunteerism, your small business with no sales, no teaching opportunities, I'm too black, I'm too hood, I'm too this, I'm too that, or I'm a woman or whatever the case may be, when you demean what you consider a deficiency, you're losing out on what makes you uniquely you and what makes you strong when Goliath stands up and says, who wants to fight? Uh, you were preaching. I, I was, <laughs> oh, I'm done. <laughs> I, I was about to throw, throw some eyes. I said, oh, man, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But yeah, man, is there anything else... Um, you want to share as a follow-up to what I shared uh, in terms of the story of David and the so what principle? No, I think, man, that, that, that was awesome. Um, and, and I'm glad you, you pulled out the points that I think are um, significant for, for, for many people to see one um, the, the, the practice piece, so to speak. Um, like you said, nobody saw when you were doing those internships, nobody saw when he was quote unquote practicing. 
um, and doing these different things. And I think that um, is something that's oftentimes missed, especially in today's world. Um, and then the meaningful practice and, and even uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book where you talked about it, like that, that the idea of the 10,000 hours. Um, it, it's not just, you know, he wasn't practicing just, you know, slinging and, you know, doing whatever just on his own free time. No, this is we talk about lions and bears, man. <laughs> we talk about some serious stuff. Um, you know, and you it, it wasn't like you were, you know, you were at home just, you know jotting down some notes. No, you were in some significant, you know, uh, you know, Fortune 500 businesses doing some real work. Um, so no, th those, I, I think that, that, that one, the idea of practice and I, the idea of preparation and the idea of putting yourself in the situation you want to be in. Um, and we never know what's coming. Like we're developing these skills and we don't know what's coming. He didn't know he was going to end up fighting Goliath. You know, he was just doing his thing. You know, he didn't know that. Um, so I just lo I love that piece, man. I love that. And I think that is transferable to, to any experience um, and, and anybody, I think, can learn um, from that experience, this idea of just meaningful practice and developing of skills um, that, you know, you never know when you may need them. So true. Despise not the humble beginnings that you start with. Mm. Um, how can people find you? How can people keep up with you? Yeah, so um, a few ways, um, of course, um, on the website, omarsimpson.com, uh, omarsimpsonfoundation.org, um, also on social media, on Instagram, I'm omar underscore Simpson, um, a lot of great content, and, you know, I'm even uh, been pushed recently or challenged recently to, to even post a little bit more often, so um, I'll be offering some more content out there on IG, um, and then on Facebook, um, Dr. Omar Simpson. Uh, fan page, um, you know, it's it, it, Dr. Omar Simpson on Facebook uh, can find me there. Um, and then email, I'm definitely open to all uh, emails. Um, I love to engage. I love to interact. Um, I want to help. If anybody has questions about anything that I said or um, anything in my book or anything, I, I, I love to hear it or comments, love to hear, love to engage. Um, you can email me, Simpson, um, and I think it's here over on the screen, but S-I-M-P-S-O-N dot Omar, O-M-A-R, at gmail.com. Send me an email. Uh, definitely send me an email, questions, concerns, if there's any way that I can help or support um, anybody's movement or things that is going on relative to education, relative to helping people, um, let me know. Would love to. Awesome. And you can follow me at Leadership Conversations on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And subscribe to this show utilizing your favorite podcast platform. This is Dr. William Clark for Dr. Omar Simpson. This is Leadership Conversations, and we'll see you in the next show. Thank you, Will.